0: Hello, welcome to the Scouted Football Podcast. Um, we can't ignore it. England are through to the European Championships final, uh, where they will play Italy on Sunday. That is, of course, the, the huge news at the moment, especially here in the, in the UK. Uh, an historic and monumental achievement for the country, and undoubtedly uh, there were a few sore heads calling in sick on Thursday morning. Um, it, it's a team which is littered with some extremely likeable, affable, uh, charismatic young players, uh, each with uh, their own story to tell and a personality to match. Um, there are there are currently three, soon to be four Manchester United players in Gareth Southgate's England squad. Uh, that will be Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, and Marcus Rashford, uh, with the fourth being Jaden Sancho. Uh, that is, of course, the other big news, especially on the transfer front at the moment. Uh, during to- Euro twenty twenty, uh, it was revealed that Man United and Borussia Dortmund had agreed a deal in principle for the England winger uh, for a sum of seventy three million pounds. Um he'll join up with his new team or is at least expected to do so after Sunday's final and uh, that subsequent break that he'll that he'll get. but it's exciting times I think, especially on from the English football front um you know and and from the transfers front from a Premier League perspective, you know one of the world's most hotly anticipated moves, um you know one of the most revered young players in world football, um you know joining a new league, joining a new team. With me to discuss Sancho and, and the changing landscape at Old Trafford is Case von Emmen, uh, who is particularly well-versed in all things Manchester United. Uh, Case has written some fantastic pieces for scouted football, uh, both website and in, and in print. Um, he's a fantastic analyst, provides insightful commentary on the timeline, and, and just so happens to be a dab hand with the data as well. Um, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are, how are things?
1: Oh, they're great. They're great. Thanks for having me on, Joe.
0: No, no problem. I think it's probably overdue that we we get you on. I mean, you've written uh, pieces such as the one you did for for Ahmad uh, Ahmad Diallo when he uh, signed for for Manchester United, and that was an incredibly in depth piece and very very educational, very informative, um, while whilst also being engaging. Um, so so thank you for that. But um, just sort of as a brief overview um, of, of who you are and, and what you do, and you know, for for anybody who who hasn't come across you before, um, who listens to the podcast, um, what is it that that you do sort of within the, the sphere of football?
1: Yeah, so uh, predominantly I write, uh, which, as you mentioned earlier, I've, I've written for Scouted uh, at length. I write on my own blog. Um, yeah, I, I take on basically anything I think is interesting, whether it's players or tactical concepts or uh, little things I catch in the data. Because as you mentioned, uh, I, I, I'm a data scientist. So really, I'm sort of all over the place. Um, but I think analyst, I guess, covers it most broadly.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's kind of what um the 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 way that we've we've sort of perceived it uh and you know it's i mean it, it's shown in your work that obviously you've got a very analytical eye for these things and obviously being uh being savvy with with the data side of things being a data scientist that's obviously going to be a helping hand um but sort of getting into i mean obviously the big news is is euro 2020 i, I just wanted to sort of gauge your thoughts on um on the tournament you've obviously been supporting the netherlands throughout um what is what's your been what's been your overall reading of, of the tournament
1: um I think overall, it, it, it was everything it was chalked up to be. Obviously, for me, it was a bit disappointing. But uh, uh, the fun in it is that it can go very poorly and very well. And obviously, for England, it's gone very well. Um, and there's been some great drama, I thought. I, I thought especially the quarterfinals had some incredible matches. Um, so yeah, I've I've been pretty satisfied with it as a, as international tournaments go. It's been very exciting,
0: and and of course you're you're a Manchester United supporter. Um, obviously an in, always an interesting club to to follow. Um, you know there's never never short of headlines at at, at Old Trafford. Um, how how was it that you got into supporting the club and and, and then essentially sort of analyzing what goes on at the club, whether that's in the transfer market, but obviously on the pitch from a tactical point of view as well. Where was the the motivation for all of that?
1: Um. Tough to say. Tough, <laughs> tough to say, especially I'm not really sure exactly when I became a supporter. Um, sort of before I can remember. As soon as I started interacting with with football, um, it just happened, which I think is the the case for most people who wind up following the Premier League outside of um England is it just sort of happens and you you, you latch on to something. But in terms of how I wound up analyzing it and and writing about it, um I don't know. I think, I think as Soulstar's uh, uh, time in charge began, there were a lot of interesting questions that, uh, I personally didn't feel like were getting answered in their entirety, or at least in a way that satisfied me. And so I started trying to answer them. Um, and I failed at that in a lot of ways. I've been really wrong a lot, but, uh, I don't know, I enjoy uh, trying to figure those things out and, and, and exploring them, whether they're, again, like their tactical ideas or whether they're how a player fits in. I think it's really interesting, so
0: yeah. Yeah, certainly. I think that's that's something that we share as well. You know, just the, the the quest for answers, the quest for, you know, looking behind the curtain and trying to see why certain things happen in a certain way. I think that's something which, you know, intrigues. Um, I mean, uh, certainly certainly for me, it intrigues me, especially around football. You know, it's not just those 90 minutes on the pitch. You know, it's everything that goes on behind the scenes and the decisions that get made. Uh, there are often more and more equally interesting um but i think it's you know it's 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 prudent to to get onto the the big story and that is Jaden sancho of course um who we expect to to sign for manchester united uh, at the conclusion of euro 2020 um seventy three million is obviously the, the headline fee that that has been, that has been um, touted um, and, and you know I, I, I hark back to you know last summer the, the summer of two thousand and twenty uh, when there was the, the suggestion that that Manchester United were willing to make a one hundred and eight million pound bid, and then they weren't willing, and then it kind of was a bit of to and fro and like a transfer saga uh, that we know so well um, but I mean holding off on a year. For to save thirty million pounds, you know, for a player who's still very, very much in the infancy of of his career, I think, I think, I mean, I, I don't know your stance on on the the upper level hierarchy at Manchester United, but is that not something to be to be commended at least?
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think uh, as much of it, it's in some ways, it's a black box what goes on in in Manchester United's front office, but I do think in this instance we can objectively say. Uh, they made the right choice waiting, because, uh, like you said, the the price that was thrown around was thirty five million uh, pounds more than, uh, than what they ultimately bought him for, which I think is a great price. I think seventy three million is a great price for the player that he is, and relative to the numbers you've seen thrown at players like Osman Dembele um, in past years who are similar caliber, if if not even perhaps lower caliber given the the production that Sancho's provided in germany
0: yeah i think it's it's you know it'd be it'd be it's important that we get to to that production very early on in this episode because you know i i speak for for some some viewers of of football in in the uk and you know it, the the bundesliga while it's accessible uh, sort of on 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 certain broadcasters, it's it's certainly not as accessible as the Premier League and and the Champions League and whatnot. Um, so you know, looking at Jaden Sancho, it could, it, it's, there's still an element of intrigue. There's still an element of you know what is this player about? And um, you know, f- from my perspective, he's been. I mean, uh, anybody who has watched him at length over the past two three years at, at Dortmund, is, you know, will have seen that he's just an extremely extremely talented player, uh, extremely productive, uh, as you mentioned um and i mean i think it was the the 2019 20 season when he i think it was in 31 bundesliga appearances he he registered i think it was 31 goal involvements um and this season i think it was around 20 goal involvements you know it's it's it beggars belief that that a player so young and so so far from from where he grew up in his comfort zone um that has been able to do this but i think it speaks to the immense talent that jaden sancho has um in terms of the, what he's bringing to, to Manchester United, which is a, a very broad and very, um, a, a, perhaps even a reductive question, you know, what, what would you say the, the standout, the headline attributes that Jaden Sancho is going to bring to this Manchester United team are going to be? I
1: think primarily he's immediately the best creative passer in this team. And maybe, maybe that's a little controversial to say, given, given how, how talented Bruno and, and, and Paul Pogba are. Uh, but I think he's far tighter than Bruno is, and probably has more experience um, in tight spaces in the final third, providing the same kind of creative passing that Pogba does. Um, and so, obviously, the Bundesliga is, is a different environment; it's it's a more open game. But I think the first thing that's going to stand out um, in August, when when matches resume, is that he is the most creative player on the pitch. He, he's probably going to be one of the most creative players in in, in the Premier League passing wise um, yeah so I'd say that's the standout
0: yeah certainly I think we're, we're definitely going to see him show up very good in in terms of the uh, rank very highly sorry in, in terms of expected assists um, you know just he I think you, you your, your comments about Bruno and and uh, and Paul pogba I think they've they're, they're right I think they're correct that you know they will they will push him but I think from those different different types of spaces they're they're more creative whereas I think Sancho has you know that ability to 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 link up with the with the center forward from from the wide areas um you know with those sort of, sort, of, sort of reverse passes into the box you know the 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 balls that we've seen Pedri playing uh, at, at Euro 2020 at times um but in terms of the the formation uh, at at Manchester United, you know obviously uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been relatively settled in that during his time as manager you know are we are we going to see a formational switch to accommodate Sancho uh, assuming that he slots right into the team or is it a case of you know he's simply just going to replace somebody who's been in the previous starting 11
1: yeah so i think that's an interesting question for a few reasons first of all i think he will slot into the 4231 quite directly on the right wing um which will be interesting to see because obviously he spent quite a bit of this campaign in Germany on the left wing. Um, but I, I do think ultimately he's, he's the solution at right wing and, and, and that Solstar won't want to change things on the basis of his inclusion. That said, when Solskjaer began at United, uh, he used a 4-3-3. He used a single pivot uh, with Nemanja Matic. Um, and I think not that Sancho's inclusion would, would necessitate that. It wouldn't at all. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he does move back to that uh, if he ultimately winds up getting a defensive midfielder. and I know we've uh, we've got some something on the docket uh, to discuss midfield later. Uh, so I won't go too deep into that. but I think it's an interesting question and then I think the the last part of that is how is Sancho gonna play in uh, in big games not not how well he'll play, but where he'll play because Solstar has been known to use sort of a hybrid back five back three in matches where uh, he doesn't expect to to dominate possession and i'm not sure where Sancho fits in uh in that formation i think that's the interesting question
0: no certainly I think that's an interesting point to make I think it's interesting to 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 debate where he fits in in different- obviously different game states as you've suggested there um you're obviously going to be different challenges in the Premier League where teams are you know going to be more it's it's going to be interesting in the Premier League, as as you say, that you know, with with the Bundesliga being you know typically more a developmental league, a little bit more open. Um, that in the Premier League, where teams are going to 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 maybe constrict a little bit more, uh, and 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 you know, really put up a a, a stern defense against you know players like Sancho. Um, but I think. Ultimately, my my reading of the situation would be that his top line ability will will see him see him through uh, a, a lot of those situations. But I think the, the points you raised there are definitely um, definitely interesting ones. Um, we've discussed obviously what he brings to the table and how he how he'll fit in. But is there anything that you feel that Sancho lacks um, in in terms of whether that's his skill set or whether there'll, there'll be something that Manchester United as a result will lack uh, as a uh, as a byproduct of, of of blooding Sancho into this team?
1: Yeah, I think. I think anytime you're looking for a weakness for, with a player like Sancho, you're nitpicking to some extent. You're, you're, you're really looking for something specific. Uh, but I think overall, my, my main concern for him is that I'm not sure he's a, an absolutely top-end athlete at his position. And, and I wonder how that limits his ceiling long-term. Uh, because obviously he's already a brilliant player. And it really doesn't matter that he can get that much better. He can be exactly as good as he is right now and be one of United's most important players. But I I do wonder, ultimately, how what I perceive as as a lack of that top-end burst uh, will, will change his game, especially as a ball carrier in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I know where you're coming from, and and I think that the temptation sometimes is to 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 predict that a a a tricky winger per se coming over to the Premier League, who perhaps has not been seen by the masses in the same volume that uh, other players have, um, is is going to 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 just be fast, He's going to be excellent at beating players and whatnot. But I think while he is. Well, he, he is a he's definitely quick thinking uh, as a player, but is he? Oh, is absolutely, he, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> is is he perhaps going to be sort of the the player that is going to be leading the charge in 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 a counter attack or a break? Because we know Manchester United have been good at that in recent seasons, uh, and that's largely been to the to to the the chess pieces that that Solskjaer has had at his disposal in attack. You know, is he somebody who's going to contribute to that? Um, and you know, is that something which he has contributed uh, to at, at Dortmund?
1: Yeah, I. I- I think it is something that he'll contribute to. Um, I think it's a question of um, he really doesn't dribble to dribble. Uh, he dribbles to pass. He's he doesn't. You're, it's pretty rare that you'll see him, and, and I'm sure you know this uh, to just as well as I do. It's pretty rare that you see him uh, beat a man and and take a shot immediately after. Uh, he, he's he's typically somebody who, who who beat a man early in a move and, and then run at an exposed defensive line and play somebody in. Uh, so I, he, while I do think he's perfectly capable on the ball, more than capable, he's he's a he's a brilliant technician. Um, I I just wonder ultimately how his game will change to adapt to what what is perhaps a, a more physically demanding league for wingers.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I think it is a physic- a more physically demanding league. Uh, and and what you say about the um the the, the fact that he'll perhaps beat a, a beat a man early in a move, I think that's quite quite. Important because you know we we do see we have seen on on both flanks at Dortmund where Sancho will of course beat his his fullback quite early on and then he'll sort of maybe drive inside and then play those sort of reverse passes or those threaded through balls to the likes of Erling Haaland or or you know Marco Royce um, uh, those, those types of players um, I think that is something which perhaps is a, a little a little wrinkle to his game uh, not in a negative way but it's some, something which um, that perhaps uh the average observer might not might not notice um and it's it's quite important to his um his 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 entire style um final question on sancho uh, i think uh you know it's it's probably the most reductive of the lot but you know do you see him perhaps being a is is he going to be a right hand man to, to anybody or is he essentially going to be a, a protagonist because i think we've seen you know over the past 18 months or so since uh, Bruno Fernandes was was signed uh, that he's essentially been a, the the protagonist uh, of Manchester United is that is there is there a potential for a little bit of conflict there or is this 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 a player who's going to you know just really muck in and, and do his and you know take this team to the next level essentially
1: yeah i i don't anticipate conflict uh that said i do think he is the best forward in this side and, and so whether that generates conflict Tough to say. <laughs> he, he seems to be great friends with, with Marcus Rashford, which is as, as good a sign as you could hope for. Um, and I do think ultimately what we're going to find is that he's a, he's a more effective player than, than, than Bruno is. And I, I mean, that as no slight. I just hold Sancho in, in the highest regard. Uh, so that, it's an interesting question. I'm, I don't anticipate conflict I I but I do ultimately think he will be the main man. And so maybe there's a a conflict in my expectations there.
0: Yeah, I think conflict was perhaps the wrong word from me. I I I think I think he's very much a team player. We've seen that at Dortmund. I mean his assist tally kind of <laughs> kind of shows that, doesn't it? Um but yeah. yeah. Uh, the the yeah I think the, I think you're right in the sense that he's per- perhaps the the player with the the best you know the best creative passer as you said at the beginning, um, but also the fact that he's um yeah he he's going to you know. Perhaps, perhaps take Manchester United to to a level where they they're maybe challenging Manchester City and and Liverpool if they if they recover uh, a little bit more than perhaps they did uh, last season. Um, moving on then uh, onto sort of the next player on our list and the next player on the Manchester United's flanks and it is a position which is which is stacked uh, at uh, at Old Trafford. Um, you know, there's a. There's a, there's a real wealth of, of of exciting under 23 players in the wide areas, uh, and um, one who was signed for quite quite an, an eye watering fee for the for the uh, the experience that he had at the time, and probably still still right now uh, was was Ahmad Diallo, uh, who uh, I think turns 19 this week, uh, but is contracted <laughs> until ni- uh, until uh, 2025 uh, with 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 an additional one year option that uh, Manchester United can exercise. Um, so I mean. Obviously, the, he. I mean, he's he's a player who predominantly plays off the right wing. Um, if Sancho goes in at the right wing, then do we do we see less of Ahmad? Uh, I think that's obviously, a, you know, that's a that's a foregone conclusion. But I think the word that I'd use is that there's there's no rush essentially for for Ahmad to to come good. Um, I'd actually be quite curious to get your thoughts on on the fee that was paid I know it was twenty million initially and then I think it's twenty mil, an additional twenty million um in sort of add-ons and and you know additional clauses that that will be um that will be paid if if certain certain uh, certain accolades and certain checkpoints are met um but what was what was your initial reading of of that fee and you know having had the chance to to see him in man united colors both for the 23s where he was just it just it was rude for him playing at that level um (laughs) uh, as well as at um at at the senior level What, what were your thoughts on that
1: yeah um so i think with regard to the fee what it really signified to me was was that this this the current uh, people in power uh, at United have have sort of identified Carrington as as a as a weak point uh, for the side. Uh, there really has been a, a, a dearth of top end talent coming out of uh, United's academy since since Sir Alex Ferguson left, um, and I think uh, both the purchase of Diallo and the purchase of Hannibal Mejbri. Uh, sort of signified uh, a willingness to invest in top-end talent that the, the the youth system hadn't otherwise been producing and so while the fee is astronomical for a player who has essentially no senior football experience um, I'm pretty happy with it because I think it's a signal of intent and I think he's a brilliant footballer so uh, all in all when you have the kind of money that that, that man United have to spend I I don't think you can be particularly upset about it.
0: Yeah, I think it comes back to to the revenue that Manchester United generates. I mean, obviously, one of, if not the richest club in the world, uh, and so essentially forty million over the entire period to to Manchester United is is sort of like a, I mean, it, it pales into ins- insignificance essentially, which is silly to even even consider. But it would be sort of like a, a fifteen million pound move for a, I don't know, a Crystal Palace or a or a, or a European a mid table European team in a. In a in a, in a major league. So yeah, I think it's, um, it's all about swings and roundabouts, I think essentially, but, um, I, I did want to get, to gauge your, your opinion on that. Um, with Ahmad though, he made eight senior appearances, uh, for Manchester United last season after joining, uh, from Atalanta. Um, And three under-23 games, which he scored four goals and got three assists, uh, which was, I mean, as I said, it was rude. I think it was just, it was a complete piss take, to be honest. I think when he was playing, um, I think it was against Blackburn. It was a 5-3 game, I think it was. Some some very strange scoreline that you don't, that you often see a little bit more in under-23 football, but um yeah there was a, there was a little sequence where he just he just ran rings around these 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 poor poor under 23 players um you know how do you how do you see his his pathway his his development continuing for my united this season because obviously with the sancho addition that does um it, it, it i wouldn't say it blocks it but it adds a few complexities uh to to that pathway i think
1: yeah i think it's an interesting question i uh I don't have answers to this one in in their entirety yet because uh, really my, my take on it and the way I look at it with central coming in is he, he really needs a loan because as you said um, he has outgrown U 23 football uh, to, to, to a comedic extent. Uh, it, he really was running rings around people uh, this past year. And I think he, what he really needs is, is, is senior football somewhere. And, and whether that be, uh, I, I've, very much doubt that he's going to get sufficient minutes uh, for United's first team this year, and I'm not sure he's physically in a place where he could handle a loan to the to the bottom half of the Premier League or or even to the cha- in particular to the Championship. Um, so I think theoretically what you're what you should be looking at is is a loan somewhere uh, like Portugal or Germany or or the Netherlands. Um, but there's no buzz around that at the moment, so it. I, obviously, we've just begun the window, but it looks to me like he might be staying, and so I don't really know what his role looks like, uh, given that, uh, or whether he's just going to stay with the U23s.
0: It is a curious one, isn't it? Because, you, you, as you say, there's not been any buzz around that, and you'd think that a player who is rated as highly as Ahmad is, with the news that Sancho is coming in, surely there will be some sporting directors, you know, scouting heads who are who are looking at that and thinking well this player clearly as you said he's outgrown under 23 football he clearly needs senior games we've got a pathway for him here we, you know we can in the short term we can benefit from getting a year out of him maybe they can he can help us uh, achieve goals that we 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 couldn't previously because he's uh, you know he's an immensely naturally talented player um but i i think there's there's yeah, there's there's not enough buzz around that. So it'll be interesting to see how the window develops, whether that begins to pick up the pace uh, in in the in the coming weeks and months. Um, but there's also the the debate that, you know, it depends who Manchester United managed to offload in the interim period as well, because if Daniel James uh, ends up moving on, whether that be on loan or on a permanent deal, um, you know, the Perhaps Ahmad could then maybe not fill his minutes, but essentially fill his role in the squad as a as a backup. You know, I I mentioned earlier that he has a contract in effect until twenty twenty six because you'd imagine at some point, as soon as he does kick on, Manchester United will exercise that one year uh, extension option. Um, So there's really no there's no urgency to to get him uh, minutes on the pitch at the moment, Uh, and for a player of his ability it's very hard to envisage him dropping off so substantially that he then just would not be, you know, he wouldn't be able to rekindle his his form because he is just so so talented. Um I I, I wonder from your perspective, because I, I mean I don't I don't cover Manchester United every day, but I wonder what your 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 perspective is on on sort of how whether whether Ahmad could fill Daniel James's minutes.
1: Yeah. I uh well, we'll see. It's going to be a question of if, if if Daniel James is sold, which there's a little bit of buzz around, and, and there's sort of always a little bit of buzz around this this summer. Then then yes, I think there's a there's the potential for that. But I also think they're very different players in terms of what you're ultimately looking for them to give the squad. I I think Daniel James is is this incredibly high work rate uh, defensive winger. I I kind of hate that word, but or that phrase, but that is what he, he's become for for Soulstar. He he tracks back, he, he's an incredible presser, and he's actually taken on some some sort of impressive movements in the box that he didn't previously have in his game. So there's some slow improvement for a player who's ultimately, I think, a, a, a bit piece uh, for, a, for a top side. On the other hand, I think Diallo is, is somebody who's far from the finished product, but is ultimately going to be this brilliant on-the-ball main man. Um, who very well mined up very well may wind up with an incredibly high defensive work rate. I think it's a little early to say uh, where he's going to spend his energy at, at senior level. Um, so I, I would be a little confused to see James sold and and replaced with Diallo, uh, but but we'll see. And, and maybe Solstars views him differently or or feels he doesn't need James as much anymore. Uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll it'll be an interesting squad building issue for for United this summer.
0: Yeah, I think squad building is probably the key word uh, to use in, in this regard. Uh, and uh, unless something has changed in the past few days, which knowing my luck, it probably has, uh, Ahmad is probably going to miss the beginning of the season uh, or at least maybe not be involved at the begin- in, in match day squads at the beginning of the season because he's been selected in the uh, Côte d'Ivoire's uh, Olympic squad. Um, so there is the potential that he will be playing at the Olympics um, this summer, which is just another opportunity for him to, to ball out in front of... In front of in front of the masses, um, albeit albeit not in person, but uh, certainly uh on, on T V. Um next then, uh, and, and obviously we've discussed a few a few wide players already and Jaden Sancho who's who's expected to arrive and, and Ahmad Diallo. Um but there's Mason Greenwood as well and you know after the season which was you know his breakout year in in 2019-20 um i i wouldn't say that the noise kind of tailed off because i don't i don't necessarily think that's a fair a fair uh, assessment of of greenwood i think he simply hit the expectation of what what was expected of him in, in 2020 21 um but going into you know what will be essentially his third senior season um at, at manchester united um you know where do you where do you see him uh, where do you see him picking up minutes this year my hope
1: is that he winds up taking on almost exclusively center forward minutes. And, and that sort of shows my, uh, shows my hand with what I think is your next question, which is what's his best position. Um, and, and I think it's center forward. I think ultimately he, uh, he doesn't have the, the set for, to play wide. He, he's picked up some, some new tricks uh, and I think it's probably been a good growth opportunity for him uh, playing on the right wing. Uh, he's become a much better crosser his ball striking technique is clearly translated to that which is great um but i, I don't think he i don't think he's natural there uh I, he's still not a particularly creative player and it also pulls him away from where he can get off good shots which is again an important issue for him uh yeah
0: you read me like a book case it was it definitely was me going to ask where do you see his positional future but um yeah i i mean i, I I, I lean towards that as well. I think his, his ball striking in particular, as you mentioned, is probably his standout attribute. You know, he's just, you know, he's the I think I've, I've referred to it as, as his shift and shoot maneuver in my notes here, you know, that it just catches defenders out. And I don't think that's anything you can, I mean, unless you are the best of the best, I think it's very difficult for you to, to, to legislate for when you're a defender, because he's, he's very, very good in those tight spaces, you know, when he has been coming off the right. Um, and I think that that spoke to why he, I mean, you, you, please correct me. You're, you're the you're the data the data analyst, the, the data scientist. But um, I think that was perhaps from my reading of the situation, why he was perhaps scoring some low XG chances is because there were lots of bodies in the way. And, you know, there were, it was a position where he perhaps was catching out the goalkeeper, catch, catching out the, the defenders who were potentially going to block those shots, but also combined with his good ball striking technique, he was maybe overperforming what the, what the metrics were, were saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, talking about, uh, why players exceed or, 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 uh, underperform their expected goals is always, a an interesting issue in it with data and football. But, uh, I think with Greenwood, you're right. The, the, the sort of shift and shoot technique certainly plays into his ability to, to outperform his expected goals. Um, the two footedness helps too. Um, but I think, uh, Ultimately, and we found this this past year, uh, he was getting a little lucky. There was there was some luck involved as well, mm. um, and I think that sort of that sort of feeds into my take on why he should be a center forward. Uh, my concern is that well, he's he really he certainly is one of the world's premier uh, crowded out shooters, uh, but I think ultimately if he wants to score twenty goals in a season, fifteen goals in a season. Um, He's going to have to start taking better shots. Uh, as, as dramatic and, and impactful as those those contested multiple defenders all around him, uh, goal scoring opportunities are uh, the great center forward scores happen, and I, I think uh, that's the next big change in his game. Uh, because he, you're absolutely right, he has he has the the shot creating abilities for himself that uh, I think far more senior footballers would dream of. Uh, So Mm -hmm. he sort of has to work backwards and and get back to the things that are easy. (laughs) And then he can leverage the things that are hard that he's already figured out.
0: The goal-scoring fundamentals, the, the 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 typical number nine trick of just being in the right place at the right time, as 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 you know, as, as simple as it sounds, I think yeah, it's it's one of those things that if you, if it doesn't come naturally and you haven't been given the minutes in the positions where you're going to develop that 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 attacking nous, then it is going to be something which is going to be difficult to add to to, to his game. But I think everything that we've seen from Greenwood suggests that he he is a very high potential player, and again, another option on that uh in that that attack um for for Manchester United that you know again can play in multiple positions despite the fact that we both we both agree his his future should be at at centre forward um but yeah I think he's a very very much a a high potential player for and and I think a lot of people pretty much everybody who's listening to this podcast would, would agree with us there um now on to sort of some, some more hypotheticals, I think. Uh, and obviously there's been some links to, to to players in the transfer market. You know, it wouldn't be a, a, a scouted football podcast during the transfer window if we didn't discuss some potential moves. Um, but there was one which was of particular interest to us considering that he was on the, the cover of uh, volume 10 uh, of the scouted football handbook. And that was Kamal Dean who is at FC Norduland in Denmark. Uh, and there's been a lot of speculation about him potentially joining AFC Ajax uh, in the Netherlands, of course course uh but also there's been speculation that manchester united may hijack that move um i think it's 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 an intriguing one it's certainly curious um considering that ajax has been you know the the club which is perhaps got the clearest development pathway in youth football for, for god knows how long um and to to jeopardize that by going to a club like manchester united where the expectation is inflated the the um the competition for places is inflated. Um, that would be, it would be an interesting move to say the least. It would be a bold one. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on that potent that, you know, that stealing Suleimana away from Ajax? Uh, well, first of all, stealing him away from Nordschiland, which is the business model. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that as a potential, potential uh, little, little wrinkle of the transfer window?
1: Yeah. So again, I think this is a, uh, it's, it, it's always uh, intriguing to approach these things from from both sides. Like I think, like you mentioned, uh, I think from, from Sulemano's uh, perspective, I would not choose Manchester United in this particular situation, at this juncture in his career. I, I think the jump from Denmark to England could be dramatic. Um, I also think he's just not in line to play minutes, even though where he's at in his career, he's, he's a senior side player. He's playing senior minutes uh, in in Denmark, and he would be playing senior minutes starring for Ajax in in Amsterdam. Uh, so I think ultimately uh, the, the the choice that I want him to make, which would be going to United, because he's he's an electric player. He really is lightning in a bottle. Uh, he's brilliant to watch. That feature uh, by Alex in in the last uh, in the last uh, scouted football edition was brilliant uh so so despite all of my uh my personal preferences wh- how much i would love to see him at united i think it's probably the wrong career move
0: yeah i think i'd be inclined to agree with you there um I, that was kind of, i was i was leading you with that question um i was I was, get, I was getting i was getting to a point where i was kind of come on come on agree with me here um but it was yeah it, i i think so too i think it would be um for, coming from a club like nordland who you know you know pledge a lot of focus on development uh, of, of young players i think it would be um quite a switch uh to, to to choose manchester united over a club like ajax i mean even going to ajax would be a big step up um but yeah i think the 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 pathways is a is a it's a bright one for sulimana uh, but i think yeah uh, as as a as a neutral observer i would definitely prefer it if he didn't make that that leap uh, right away um and perhaps went to a you know, as we were saying earlier, you know, not a top five European league, but but a, an Eredivisie, for example, or 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 a, or a league of similar stature, uh, but to one of the big boys there, um, because yeah, you, I mean, you look at the options in wide areas. You know, Sancho, Greenwood, Rashford, Ahmad, uh We're forgetting we're forgetting um, Facundo Polistri as well. Um, obviously, Dan James there are a lot of options and that's even before you get into potentially playing him as as a center forward um which i think would be a, a car crash uh, in in england at the moment just given his given his his lack of you know physical um what would you say presence uh, i think it would be it would be very difficult for him but um yeah i i, I think Suleiman is certainly a player that I'd, I'd implore people to watch more of, um, certainly if he remains at Nord uh, but definitely if he moves anywhere else across Europe this summer, uh, because he is just as you put it and I, I mean i love that expression lightning in a bottle uh, he he really is just a a, a a really exciting player i mean i think we've we've shared on the account a few times actually uh, that uh, the, the danish commentators when Suleimana does something which is particularly outrageous they just start giggling they just start laughing chuckling on in in the middle of commentary because it's like can you believe it this guy's done it again uh, and you know at his age um it's it, it's very exciting to see that Obviously, Noduland being the club that they are uh, have of have, have produced well right to dream the right to dream academy uh, and and as a result Nodularnd have produced a a player of such uh, such pr- uh, incredible uh, ability um, who is 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 attracting interest from Manchester United I think that's something we've just glossed over there um, so yeah he's certainly one with a with a very bright future.
1: I do think an interesting uh, bit about the interest in Sulemana is that. Uh, Not only uh, is Solomano a a winger, but he has experience, like you mentioned, at at center forward. Um, Not only that, uh, Greenwood also has experience both at right wing and center forward now. And Diallo, Ahmad Diallo, has experience across the front line. Uh, Solstar actually played him at center forward um, at one point later on in the season. Uh, And so I think that's an interesting... uh, a potentially interesting window into the way Solskjaer is building this side long term. Uh I think there's a lot of discussion in in United fan circles that he oh he wants this fluid interchanging front three. He doesn't want uh set positions. And I think maybe I have I've been a skeptic towards that idea, but I think maybe this is a uh, sort of him tipping his hand and and maybe this interest is indicative of the fact that he's looking for a third uh a, a third forward who he sees fitting into that uh very long-term vision of his his front three
0: no yes certainly I, th- I think it is uh, it's one thing that I hadn't considered um because yeah as you mentioned uh, was it against AC Milan where he scored that when Ahmad scored that little back header um and he was he was- Playing in sort of a, a centre forward role, I might be getting my games mixed up, but I do I do vividly remember uh, that that goal. Um, but yeah, speaking of, uh, of of bright prospects and, and bright young players, uh, teenagers, um, there's Eduardo Camavinga uh, who has also been linked to Manchester United this summer, um, and that's one which is is rightly so going to get people excited because he's a, a player who obviously came through at Stadroen uh, at at 16 17 um i think i believe he's still only 18 years old or he's only recently turned 18 um he's you know he's a, he's an exceptionally talented player for for his age uh and i think you know he he's another one who's who's essentially going to to come out of liga uh, and be a a real protagonist in european football for for many years to come but unsurprisingly clubs of manchester united stature are, are reportedly interested um hypothetically where would you see him uh, fitting into this Manchester United team because I've seen, I mean, I've seen informed sources and, and perhaps some more uninformed sources <laughs> speculating over this. Um, what what would be your your opinion on that?
1: Um, I think ultimately uh, what what we're looking at in, in this situation is is a player who's going to slot into the right side of Soulstar's defensive pivot uh, or midfield pivot rather, um, and I think. Uh, there's a lot of questions as to as to fit as to whether that that really makes sense, especially since uh, I think most people feel that United need a a sitting defensive midfielder who can be a single pivot behind Pogba and Bruno. How realistic that is, I I'm not sure. I care to speculate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think ultimately uh, Kamavinga would be uh, the right side of 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 that midfield pivot replacing McTominay. Um. Because I think ultimately, uh, however you feel about uh, McTominay, I think uh, Kamavinga's skill set is sort of a superset of of McTominay's. And ultimately, whether there's imbalance in that uh, McTominay-Fred pivot, I think some of it would be uh, addressed by making that change. And ultimately, Kamavinga's ceiling is, is non-existent
0: yeah it is just so, so much so much higher uh, and i'm glad you said that on that he'd fit in or or hypothetically on on the right side uh, because I, I was seeing some sort of lineup graphics on on twitter and it had pogva as that that player and i was thinking all uh, right so how much thought has gone into this um because <laughs> I'm not so sure that would work, but um, I think there's there's been there's been the temptation to to make uh, I think lazy comparisons to between Kamavinga and Paul Pogba um, because they're very both both very languid players, both very tall. Uh, there's obviously the link that the French international link, um, but I, I th- I'm glad that you mentioned uh, about McTominay sort of being as a you know Camavinga you know, p- p- possessing maybe a, a super skill set of, of McTominays because I do think that is the closer comparison. Um, I think. I mean, you, you say you'd play him on that on that right side of that that midfield pivot. I mean, one thing from watching Kamavinga is that he's extraordinarily one-footed. Um, you know, he's very, very, uh, very, he very much prefers his his left um, to his right uh, in terms of playing passes, receiving. Is that something which you, if you, if again hypothetically, if you were in charge, and was that was that is that something that you would perhaps hold off? something which would make you hold off on on signing a player who is admittedly very young um, because he perhaps doesn't have, you know, his movements may be telegraphed at at a higher level in the Premier League?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I'm not sure it would make me hold off just because, like you said, he's he's extremely young. And not only is, is he extremely young, he's shown himself to be hyper effective, despite what was to some extent a down year this year. Uh, in, in a pretty high-level league, uh, whether obviously there's differences in, in quality and, and and style of play between France and England, but I think you've seen enough to feel that uh, however many passing angles are going to be cut off uh, for Kamavinga, he'll make up for it by being this brilliant ball carrier. Um, though though yes, uh, his one-footedness can can honestly affect that as well. Uh, but I think I would still pull the trigger on this. I'm not sure that's enough for me to uh, be put off.
0: Okay, yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, I think I mean it was just it was a something which I was curious about because it is very it, it is very apparent as soon as you yeah. notice it. Some somebody raised it to me a, 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 a little while ago, and it's something which I hadn't really noticed. And then as soon as I did, every time I watched him, I was like. I kind of know where he's going to play this ball next because if he's got two options on, and one is very uh, is a great deal easier to to complete the pass with his left foot. I, I essentially know nine times out of ten, ninety five times out of a hundred, he's going to play that pass because it's on his left foot and it's the the natural passing lane. Um, but that's a, that's only one aspect of his game, and I think I'm probably being a little bit harsh on him there, kind of um, dragging out his his, his weaknesses uh, so early because he is such a talented player. Um, I think you know his, his ball carrying, as you mentioned there, uh, that is something which is for his age is is, is immense um, because you know you, you think a lot of a lot of the, I mean, it reminds me in a, in, a, in a way of uh, you know Frankie Dion Jong uh, in terms of that he's just very. Deceptively good at getting out of tight spaces, and it just seems natural, you know, in the way that when Frankie was was at Ajax and how he'd he'd receive, he'd he'd scan, he'd he'd um, he'd, he'd take a touch, and then he'd kind of just glide through the challenges that perhaps another player might stumble into trouble in. Um, with Kamavinga, obviously, has you know the, I mean, he's, he's six foot two, six foot three, I believe, which obviously helps a great deal when you've got that frame. Um, but I think. That is, you know, one of these one of those areas where he he really is, um, you know, already at, at a level where he's potentially world-beating.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think with regard to the the weakness, I think it's better, especially since we're on a podcast about young players, to be harsh on weaknesses than it is to, to underplay them, uh, specifically for 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 eighteen and nineteen-year-olds. Not because it's <laughs> good for them, but because uh, I think we often underplay uh, what limits players at a young age, and then we overplay it when they get older. Uh, it's really easy to criticize somebody's huge weakness in their game when they're 29. Everybody acknowledges it. Everyone agrees. Uh, but any any criticism of a weakness, I think uh, ultimately gets swept under the rug if, if people are enthusiastic about a player when they're young. Uh, so I, I don't see an issue with, with with harking on that and considering whether it's a limitation. Uh, I think it's the right thing. I think it's the right way to approach the idea.
0: You know what? You've made me feel a lot better about going in hard on him uh, there because <laughs> that is... I mean, it's something which I think is important when you're assessing a player, uh, particularly those who are young. I think it's important to, to not cheerlead. It's important to analyse. Um, and... Yeah, I, I hadn't actually considered it from that perspective because yeah, if if a player has played ten, eleven years of professional football and they still have a a little a little a little weakness in their game, then yeah, you people are going to exploit that and say, well, this is something which needs rectifying. Whereas if it's a young player, I think a lot of the time, yeah, allowances are made. Um, that just about finishes things on this week's episode of the Scouted Football Podcast. I know everybody probably still has Euros fever at the moment, but um, yeah, I think it's important that we, we 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 still discuss some of the the transfers and some of the the permutations that those moves will make on on the the big Premier League clubs uh, ahead of the 2021-22 season. Um, obviously, Jadon Sancho being one of those, he's he's obviously expected to to make that move to Manchester United in in due course. Um, and, and obviously the, the, the links to, to the likes of suleimana took to, to Kamavenga, um, are, are interesting. And I think it, it's good to explore them. Good to see where they may fit or, or may not fit, whether they'd be good moves or not. So, um, thank you very much to, to case for, for, for joining me on this. It's been, yeah, it's been a pleasure to, to get your insights and your, um, your, your, your knowledge.
1: Yeah, it was great to be on. Uh, thanks for having me.
0: Great stuff. I'm sure it won't be, uh, won't be the last, um, Thank you very much for, for tuning in uh, to the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, we are doing some new videos on our YouTube account, so get over there if you'd like to, to, to find out how the likes of Albert Zombie Lakonga might fit in at Arsenal or uh, former FC Red Bull Salzburg midfielder Enoch Mwepu will fit in at Brighton, as well as some handy bite-size explainers. But um, yes, I've been Joe Donahue. This has been the Scouted Football Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Stay safe. Bye for now.